something is wrong, and it's time to stand up. You are listening to the John A. Show. Trust no one. Trust no one. Trust no one. You found it. You're here. You're headlong down the runaway train that is the Anomic Age, and I am your host, John H. Happy to be back with you again this evening. Got a great guest coming up. Mr. Mike King is going to be with us in a mere matter of moments. But before we get into that, please check out AnomicAge.com. Share those links, friends, family, loved ones, and enemies. Like all the likes, subscribe to all the subscriptions. At the bottom there, you can sign up for the free newsletter. You got the iPhone app, the Android app, that's all for free, as well as all the shows, the video and the audio is there for your viewing and listening pleasure as well. If you like what you're what you hearing and seeing, please feel free to become a patron or just make a one-time donation. That's paypal.me forward slash anomicage, patreon.com forward slash anomicage as well. So without further ado... Mr. Mike King joins us this evening. Mike is based out of New York City, or the New York City area, I suppose. Mike, Mike is a private investigative journalist, researcher, author, and the mastermind behind the popular alternative news site, realhistorychan.com. So much more to get into. Mike, thanks for being with us this evening. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Good to see you again. Indeed. Let's let's get us up. There we go. Now we're both on the screen. Perfect. So realhistorychan.com, folks, in case you missed it, please check that out. That's Mike's site. We are talking a little bit before the show. He doesn't have any of his books on Amazon anymore. They've all been removed. So uh, you can definitely find him at, at realhistorychan.com. I'm putting that on the screen for you right now. Looks just like that. Realhistorychan, that's C-H-A-N.com. One big word. Mike, thank you so much for being with us, man. Thanks for making the time. Hey, that's great. So, well, yeah, the books are still available at realhistorychain.com. Amazon holocausted all of them, uh, <laughs> which is really the uh, ultimate endorsement. It means they're, it's, uh, it's full of truth, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I first heard your work years ago, and I sort of got reminded of it recently because of Memorial Day. Uh, John B. Wells on Caravan gave your your article a, a good read, and I thought, man, I got to talk to this guy. This is great stuff again. And it was just sort of outlining what really Memorial Day is all about. I mean, all these false wars, bankers' wars, phony wars, non-sanctioned wars, and so forth and so on. But I mean, it really goes back. I don't know how far you want to take it. I mean, all the way back to Fort Sumter, or or, uh, or if we want to go across the pond to the old world. But so much mm -hmm. of what we think we know, we don't really know. So much of our history is either a false history, misinformation, propaganda, or some sort of blend of all those put together. Yeah, and it's, you know, that's by design. It, it's sort of like if you're watching a three-hour movie and, and you walk in the last 20 minutes, you're not going to be able to figure out what's going on, you know, no matter how closely you watch those last 20 minutes. And that's how we're operating today. We don't know our history. And I'm not talking about history that's no longer relevant, but maybe it's interesting, like 
the Peloponnesian Wars or something, and or Sparta or Athens. And that's all good to know as well. But I mean the stuff that directly relates to today, 20th century, 19th century. And in particular, as far as what I write about, I go back about 250 years to the present day. That's kind of my uh, area of expertise for uh, conspiratorial studies. And that is the moment in time, about the moment in time when the Illuminati got going and when the the Rothschild family began to amass its its wealth. And that's like the origin of the, of the New World Order. And I've got a couple of books out called, it's a two-volume set called Planet Rothschild, and that's what I do. I go back 250 years. And it's really amazing, John, because you followed a common thread. I go decade by decade by decade by decade, starting with the, what, 1760s until the present day. And it's unmistakable that this, this is one uh, continuous event that's unfolding. And something like the Rothschild family, if you understand that that family dynasty goes back 250 years as the richest family in the world, okay, almost 30 years or so, uh, then you begin to understand where the continuity comes from. Or the Salzberger family, which owns the New York Slimes, most, still the most influential media outlet in the world, they've owned that paper now for uh, 126 years, one family. So... Uh, that's why it's important because it, 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 is a, it is a continuity. And the more you understand about the past, real history I'm talking about, not the fake history they teach in, um, you know, the universities and so on. But if you know fake history, then the modern day becomes so much more clearer. One of my motto is fake history is the fake news that has passed into the rearview mirror. And it's so true because... Uh, you know, fake news didn't just begin in the in the age of uh, uh, the anti-Donald Trump age. You know, it's been around a long time. So, I mean, you mentioned the New York Times. So many people think of it as the, the to- or I was going to say, Gerald Salente actually always says the toilet paper of record. I think most people <laughs> still think yeah. the, the paper of record, which is kind of a, the biggest misnomer of all. But, I mean, yeah. that Rothschild family connects into so much. That I think the average person doesn't even connect those proverbial dots with, whether you're talking about the banking. I know you've got a lot of uh, work on their connections to Hollywood. And I mean, just Hollywood now transcends the big screen into the small screen, the, the screen everybody's carrying around in their pocket, the, the streaming yeah. platforms and so much more. I mean, there's a reason why the narrative is the same on no matter what platform it is and, and those proverbial sacred cows are always going to be those sacred They're never going to tell you what really happened in World War II or what really brought about the Civil War, the Spanish-American War. I mean, on down the line to all those unsanctioned uh, security efforts and spreading democracy from the Korean War right on through uh, today. So. Yeah. Now, it's, it's a global mafia that they, they've had so long to build it up. They've got, um, you know, they've got their operatives uh, everywhere. Everywhere, you know, media, Hollywood, academia, um, you know, and there's nothing they can't pull off with that kind of power, the illusions that they can create and get people to just believe anything, you know, like there's a a cold virus that's going to wipe out humanity and we have to shut down for two years. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, that shows you the kind of power they have to pull off something like that. But I, I do believe that they've been confronted now for the first time ever uh, with, with a force that they don't know how to handle. And they're definitely taking some blows now. And there's a whole hidden story there that uh, even many quote-unquote conspiracy analysts may not appreciate or understand. Uh, but there is a war going on, and, and um, you know, uh, for, the, for the first time, there's, there's a ray of hope, I, I, I do believe. So, Yeah, I mean, back to that, that cold virus. I mean, when this whole thing first started, I was sort of connecting it to, uh, to the War of the Worlds, that, that radio transmission that, that spooked yeah. the whole country. And, I mean, I've heard rumblings of that having some definite uh, propaganda connections and how that was sort of a psychological operation dry run. I mean, to be mm -hmm. honest with you, I haven't researched that fully to, to substantiate or negate that one. But, I mean, when that whole thing first started, I was like, this is a heck of a lot like the, the stories I've heard of War of the Worlds where you had all these people across the country calling into their police yeah. departments and, oh, my gosh, are we all going to die? Are we all doomed? And it was just all predicated on what they were hearing from, from that current uh, – time from the radio broadcast and now you know jump ahead to 20 what is this mess started in 2019 or something where it was it was ubiquitous mm -hmm. it was the radio it was the newspaper it was the their deity in chief fauci and bill gates and all these these talking heads that really i mean in yeah. my humble opinion just sort of manifested this whole thing and spoke it into existence well they had this thing planned for many many years and uh, when they exploded it onto the public scene, um, you know, there was, there, I mean, there, was no, there was nothing like it. There was, there was just no way to resist it. They started, and this is classic marketing, they started with the advanced propaganda that there's something bad going on in China. And they released these ridiculous photographs of these Chinese guys just collapsing in the street, young men just mm -hmm. falling in the street. We're supposed to believe that that's not a disease, but you, you look at these photos clearly, you know, they're, they're, they're fake. Um, but they built that up. They planted the seed, and, and then the hype went on for like five or six weeks. And then one day in March 2020, somebody flicked the switch, and all at once, the NBA shut down, the NHL shut down, Major League Baseball shut down, the NCAA tournament shut down, and sports is big because you know, normies worship their sports, and all of a sudden they shut down. That got people's attention. That was a big element to this. But the deep state controls organized sports. Okay, they've got they've got their uh, tentacles in, in everything. Then it came to the corporations. All the corporations. You, you go into the store, the Home Depot, the Walmart, whatever. Uh, uh, six feet social distancing, limiting the number of people who could enter the store, and then the loudspeakers and companies closing, all that was, everybody on the same page. Mm -hmm. And that created an illusion that, oh my God, this is real. How can all, well, everybody's on it, you know? Yeah. But again, they've had many years to um, we uh, sew everything together like a, like a fabric. So, you know, when it came time to hit the button, we were just, you know, Trump was hit with a tsunami from all ends. And, you know, and initially, before they went to that extreme, when they were still doing the uh, the, the pre-build-up, you know, Trump said, you know, this sounds like a hoax to me, and they crucified him. Yeah. And then they launched it big time. There was just no way to resist it. 
I never seen anything uh, like it. You had the uh, uh, the death charts on cable TV twenty four seven. They're just reporting deaths over here, deaths over here, cases over here. And it was all it was all fake. It was all illusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they turned every flu death into a COVID death, every pneumonia death into a COVID death. And then people who should not have died at all, they were isolated in the hospitals. Their loved ones can't see them. They stick them on a ventilator. They drug them up. God knows how many hospital murders they committed. Yeah. And, that, I mean, that was COVID. It was all, it was all uh, fake. Uh, but, you know, Trump played it the only way that it was possible to play. He rolled with the punch, let them do what they had to do. Um, knowing that they were going to use it. And they went to this right away in the first month in March. They're like, you know, by November, this, this is going to be too dangerous. So they already knew nine months in advance, we got to have mail-in ballots. Yeah. Uh, and where this was kind of flipped around and played to the advantage, and I believe this will manifest, I don't know when, I don't want to put a date on it, weeks from now, months from now, but I do believe this election fraud will come out at one point or uh, another, and then that's going to shock a lot of people and hopefully be something uh, revolutionary, because by all indicators are, Trump is not letting go of this uh, voter fraud. He's going to pursue it to, to the end. And it would it could not have happened without the uh, COVID uh, scam. So uh, it may, in the end, prove to be their undoing if the uh, election fraud is, is exposed, and there's good signs that it will be. So, uh, but yeah, I've never seen anything like it. It even dwarfs 9-11 in terms of propaganda value. Uh, the wave that they hit everybody with, uh, the fear that was out there. I mean, people were so afraid, which is nothing but a cold virus. Yeah, I mean, the whole time this thing was going on, I mean, still today, I always reference back to 9-11 because I always tell people that was the biggest psyop until this one. Like, that was yeah. the... And it was sort of the same sort of techniques. I remember when it happened, you know, every single channel imaginable kept having the towers falling, the towers falling. And it's, it's, yeah. it's uh, you know, liquid lava flowing down the stairwell, that whole narrative. And, I mean, yeah. it was every channel for months at a time. And I think that really primed the pump for the, you know, the, the shock and awe yeah. wasn't over there in the desert. The shock and awe was right here in the States. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, that was something. But it's, it's always the same cast of characters, you know, 9-11. And, again, this is why history is important to know, but it goes back much farther than that. Uh, uh, you know, Pearl Harbor was a, was a sham. That was a setup. The sinking of the Lusitania that got us into World War One. So they, they do this over and over and over and, and over. And sometimes the, the scams, after a, a period of years have passed and nobody really cares anymore, the establishment historians are allowed to they're allowed to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, like we we can openly speak about the fact that we were lied into the Spanish American War by propaganda about the sinking of the Maine, um, propaganda about uh, the sinking Louisiana, which helped to eventually get us into World War One. Even uh, establishment historians now are are allowed to speculate that FDR knew about the Pearl Harbor attack in advance and did nothing to stop it. Uh, and I go further than that. He actually did everything he could to provoke it because he wanted to get us into the war. Um, but it's important to know this stuff because then you begin to recognize it. 
Uh, you know, they, they say, you know, the old proverb, uh, cliche, really, those who don't learn history are condemned to repeat it. Yeah. Well, there's another philosopher who said, what we learn from history is that we never do learn from history. <laughs> so, uh, you know, here we are, still still running the uh, the same scams. Um, you know, but I, I, I feel once I, I can um, inform enough people about what really happened in history, which is my specialty, then the present comes into clearer focus. So, you know, history is important, especially like the more recent history of it, at least going back, should really know at least the last century to like 1900, because it all connects to today. Yeah, I mean, so, let's visit that World War II era a little bit, because... The Pearl Harbor thing is something that has always rung so true to me. I mean, not the validity of it, but but an event, rather. Because I remember being a little kid and, you know, the the event's pretty close to my birthday. And, I, I mean, I can't even remember what, in, in first grade, we used to get these things called a weekly reader. And, oh, uh, and it had the Pearl Harbor correct. story in there. And even in first grade, I remember... Which was decades and decades ago, but yeah, it had that whole story, and it was coming from the perspective of the one of the radio uh, patrol people. I, I can't recall their MOS, but a radio guy was like, "Oh, the planes are coming in hot, you know. Come on, like we need some, we need scramble jets. We got to do something." And and yeah. it was like this this whole thing was ignored. And even at that young age, I was like, "Well, that seems kind of nuts. Like, what do you mean they ignored the the warnings? That seems crazy." And then yeah. flash forward, you know, to, to adulthood, and you start investigating this and looking at, at writers such as yourself who are really exposing this whole thing. And it comes to comes yeah. to the matter of fact that, yeah, they did know about it. Yeah, like FDR knew all about it. They provoked the stinking attacks. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing. Like, I mean, I think that that's one of those seminal moments because so much is riding on World War II as far as the U.S. becoming a superpower. You got the yeah. League of Nations into NATO. I mean, all this stuff, the testing, the atomic bombing, so much of that, you could kind of mm. even trace back to that one event, which yeah. even if you flash forward to 9-11 and look at the, the PNAC documents, we need a new Pearl Harbor to galvanize right. the abba dabba you know, all that stuff. And like, and, so uh, much is block, riding on that one around. event that if you the ask the, the average around. guy on the street, they're going, oh, yeah, that, that was that was us. Yeah, that was our big moment. That was Pearl Harbor. We got to remember the troops, and that's right. what got us in the war. You know, I'm babbling, but you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> well, the big blockbuster film that summer of 2001, if you recall, was Pearl Harbor, starring uh, Ben Affleck, Josh Hartnett. So much hype. Mm -hmm. Big blockbuster. I forgot about that. In right. August, and it played right up to Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor. And that's all part of it. That's part of the orchestration. Hollywood is very important to them, and they've always, the deep state is, uh, from the beginning, has been involved with with Hollywood. Uh, but it was the new Pearl Harbor, and um, but that's why people have to know that the original Pearl Harbor was such a scam. I mean, uh, I mean, the attack happened, but the series of provocations leading up to it was outrageous. And when you study it objectively, you almost have to... Uh, uh, respect the Japanese for being um, putting up with so much. But it came to a point where the war was coming, and, and in essence, uh, FDR was already at war with the Japanese. There was shooting going on. They was helping the the, the, the Chinese 
fight the, the Japanese. They were goading the Chinese or cutting off Japan's oil supply. So the United States was already at war, and it was getting even more and more uh, visible. So uh, it, it's, it's not accurate to even say that Japan fired the first shot of World War II uh, in the Pacific. Uh, no, they, they reacted. The U.S. had already killed Japanese. Hmm. So, uh, but they were very worried. They were very anxious to get the United States in the war because in 1941, in June, Hitler launched a preemptive invasion. He beat Stalin to the punch. Stalin was going to take all of Europe. Mm -hmm. And the Germans made it all the way to the gates of Moscow. And it was a stunning advance that, that, that first year. And all the communists around Roosevelt, and yes, he was, the administration was infested by communists. Uh, Joe McCarthy was right. Hmm. Um, they, they needed to save uh, Papa Stalin. <laughs> So, and the only way they could do that is through the back door of Japan because Japan was allied with uh, Germany. So they weren't going to be able to provoke any kind of attack from Germany on the United States, of course, but from uh, the Pacific, uh, they hoped to uh, maneuver Japan into a position where they said, well, we might as well take the shot at Pearl Harbor and gain an early advantage, take, about, take out some big ships. Um, so it was deep, but it was an outrageous series of deliberate provocations. And then finally, when Japan had to do what they had to do, and they hit the military target, and that's what it was. It was a military target. It's not a civilian base. It wasn't even a state at that time. Uh, and then FDR puts on the black armband and gives that bullshit date. This is a date we'll live in infamy speech and that sour look on his face like he's about to break down. It was all fake. It was really disgusting. Um, and it's just like Bush showing up at the World Trade Center mm -hmm. a few days later with the bullhorn. You know, I hear you and the people who did this will hear from all. Uh, these, these, these are monsters and we've been led by monsters for a long time. And, you know, even a lot of uh, people in our community, you know, when they go to World War II, they, they buy the official narrative why? You don't think it was going on back then? But it's, it, was, it was all a lie. The reality of World War II is Hitler managed to liberate Germany from the new world order system. And it's as simple as that. He told the international bankers, screw you, I'm not paying these debts, and I'm going to issue my own interest-free currency. And that's, that's what World War II was, uh, was all about. Uh, and again, we see the same forces at play today. The new Hitler is Putin, who's, a, who's trying to do the same for Russia, keep it an independent uh, nation, which uh, the New World Order cannot tolerate. So it all, it, all, it all connects. It's always the same theme. So it's sort of like a magic looking glass. Once you understand the New World Order globalist conspiracy, you put those glasses on, you look at it through that lens, everything makes perfect sense. Everything. And I mean, just to connect some further dots there, I'm not condoning Hitler nor Gaddafi nor Saddam Hussein, but they all had something in common. They were all kind of getting on their old gold standard, saying, screw the petrodollar, screw the New World Order, and then miraculously they all uh, managed to, to, to die by the sword, whether it's... Uh, yeah. You know, Hillary Clinton, we came, we saw he died, or Saddam Hussein supposedly, 
you know, <laughs> arrested in that sham mess, which it looks like about as much of a show trial as we're seeing with the January 6th thing. But Yeah. And that one more thing I, I wanted to, to, to get you to touch on is that communist infestation. Joe McCarthy was right. He was right yeah, as rain. Right. And, I, and yeah. I think so much goes back to that communist infestation. I mean, I think a lot of people, myself included, kind of look at the 60s as, you know, this was the rise of communism and infiltration of academia and so forth and so on. But I think it really came way before that and way before even what a lot of people refer to with Operation Paperclip as all these Nazi scientists coming in. I think that communist infiltration came way before that. I mean, FDR, like you mentioned, was yeah. was lock, stock, and barrel communist, communist red from the jump. Yeah, well, uh, the um, the seeds were planted in American academia uh, in the 30s and 40s, 50s. Uh, we you saw the the rotten fruit in the 60s, mm-hmm. but it really started to happen. You know, when Eisenhower was president, you know, he has, his brother was his main one of his closest confidants, Milton yeah. Eisenhower. And he was, uh, a lot of people thought the guy was a straight-up communist. I mean, he was as left as you get. And he was uh, uh, president of three different universities at different times, Kansas, Penn State, and I forget the other one. But everywhere that Milton Eisenhower went, he introduced the UNESCO books to that mm-hmm. university to teach the one world and the globalism. So these these leftist characters started heavily infiltrating American academia uh, in the 40s and, and, and 50s. There, there was a bunch of them. They were known as the Frankfurt School in, yeah. in Germany in the 1930s. And they espoused something called critical theory, uh, which is where today's critical race theory comes from. Absolutely. So critical theory just means you criticize and critique everything, uh, not because you're like an open-minded philosophical person, but because you want to, Tear down everything, every belief, every tradition. It's subversion. Yep. And then when Hitler came to power, they fled Germany. They they all left. A bunch of them came to Columbia University, which has the uh, uh, the famous Teachers College. So they you know they they started injecting the poison. So this went through the 40s and the 50s. They penetrated academia, and then you see the radicalization of the students beginning to happen already by the late 50s, early 60s. So but when the hippie movement explodes, people are like, where did this all come from? It, it was years in the making, you see. Uh, and now we know what's happened to education. It's trickled all the way down to the uh, kindergartners, you know. But this originates with these globalists, Marxists. Uh, but th- that was a big turning point, too, in American history, is when all of this scum from the Frankfurt School fled Germany, and they came, and they were welcomed with open arms here. And they, uh, uh, but Columbia, Columbia is key because that's the teachers' college. So so many come people come out of that teachers' college, and it just spreads like like a cancer. You know, you corrupt people, students' minds. They get their degrees. They go out and teach. And and McCarthy wrote about this in 1952. I've got a book called um, Saint Joseph of Wisconsin, and I. I I have a lot of McCarthy's writings and quotes uh, excerpted in there. And, he, um, you know, not many people would have foreseen this in 1952, that we had a communist problem in uh, education, uh, but we did. They just weren't like screaming, flaming radicals back then, you know. 
uh, a college professor back then, you know, he wore a suit, he had short hair, he looked normal, he maybe acted patriotic, but he was a commie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and McCarthy warned, if we don't get a hold of this problem, uh, we're going to lose this country. And the problem got worse and, and worse. But he was so right in so many ways. And it's been confirmed by Russian archives, which they opened up after the Soviet Union fell. And you, you have Western academics going over there. Some of these guys are liberals from mm-hmm. Yale and stuff. And they went through their archives and they came back to like, wow, some of this stuff really did happen. There was a communist penetration here. So Russian archives vindicate McCarthy, as do the Venona Intercepts, which was the secret program of U.S. Uh, military intelligence. And uh, it rose out and Truman didn't even know what was going on. Hmm. Okay, but military intelligence, uh, the forerunners of the NSA, they were monitoring these communists and their communications. They really couldn't do anything with the information. Uh, you know, in a legal aspect, it's non-actionable. Uh, but they had it, and it was not till 1995 it was declassified. And again, it vindicates Joe McCarthy, this, this, the level of penetration, some of the very people that he named, and then they condemned them for destroying innocent people, which was nonsense. So McCarthy's been totally vindicated. Um, I mean, you know, even if you looked at it objectively, even back then you knew he was telling the truth. But, but now you have these independent sources confirming it. And when they destroyed McCarthy, and I believe they ultimately murdered him, he was only like 48 when he died, um, uh, no one dared to go there again because mm-hmm. his name was so dirty. That's what they do. After your death, they keep pounding on you, pounding on you, and make an example of you. So nobody else went there until Donald Trump. I mean, he's, he uses the word communist all the time, communist, globalist, enemies of the people. It's it's really amazing, and I never really expected to hear this in the modern day, um, and that's kind of why he is so vilified uh, as well. But Joe McCarthy, yeah, American hero, no doubt. Yeah, I didn't even think about that connection that you just made to uh, to the the chilling effect of what happened with McCarthy. Good grief, that was like seventy years ago. Like the the chilling effect. And the demonization like they did with him, because if you look up anything with him, oh, he was a drunk, he was on drugs, yeah. he was a whack job, he was discredited. I mean, these are all the silly buzzwords mm-hmm. that you would hear today used against the people that, that challenge the election, that challenge the, uh, the COVID cons- hoax, what yeah. have you. Oh, they're, they're friends and so forth. And so, I mean, it's that same stinking playbook, man. Same. Exactly, exactly. And... Uh but really, it's I, uh, I really destroy the mythology of, uh, you know, uh, McCarthy as the devil. I mean, I call the book St. Joseph of Wisconsin. I, I have the, his picture on the cover with a halo, <laughs> just, just to kind of uh, – but I address everything in that book. So anyone who thinks McCarthy was some kind of reckless madman, uh, precisely the opposite was, was, was true, you know. Um, and, and, you know, all of these so-called innocent people who were harmed, every damn one of them, when they were asked point blank because of reasonable suspicion, are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? Uh, rather than, you know, doing what a, a truly innocent man would do and say, you know, hell no, absolutely not. It's Fifth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, one after the other, one after the other. Fifth, 
you know, they're Fifth Amendment communists. It yeah. was an abuse of the Fifth Amendment because the Fifth Amendment is for criminal proceedings. These weren't even criminal proceedings. McCarthy hearings were just about getting these people out of the government. You, you cannot hold the government job because, uh, uh, you know, you, you take an oath that you're not a communist when you go to work for the government. So it's basically just a job interview after the fact to kind of ferret out these moles. And all of them were like, you know, what? real wise guys, you know, uh, Fifth Amendment, Fifth Amendment. So, um, you know, and, and they did that because they, they, if they said they were communists, they were removed. Mm-hmm. If they lie and say, no, I wasn't, but then they have the evidence, they, they can get them for perjury. You understand? So, so that's, they were, no, they were, they were called Fifth Amendment communists back in those days. And that's what they were told by the party leaders, take the fifth. Don't admit you're a communist, but don't lie either, like Alger Hiss did, because then they got him on perjury. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, all these darlings, they can't answer a simple question, and then they want to cry, oh, we were innocent victims of McCarthyism. Answer the damn question. We were communists. <laughs> but now we know from these Venona intercepts in the archives, uh, if anything, McCarthy underestimated the extent of the problem. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But even more importantly, it wasn't just the, the, the communists were just kind of the tools, actually. There's something bigger above that. <clears throat> That's the one world order globalists who aren't necessarily ideological communists or capitalists. For them, it's just about power. But they allowed the communists to infiltrate because it suited their purposes, because mm-hmm. they were all about the expanding the size of the state. The so they had many of the same goals as these communists. But that was the real problem. Who above was allowing the infiltration to happen? and protecting them. Uh, and it's similar today. You know, they just um, sentenced Ghislaine Maxwell, okay, to 20 years for, for sex trafficking, okay. But nobody ever asked, how were they able to do this for 30 years? Who protected her and Epstein? And here's another question. Sex trafficking little children, or young girls, I think also little children that yeah. may come out in the future, Okay, and she just got 20 years for that. Trafficking to whom? To who? What are, isn't that amazing? I yes. mean, somebody gets sentenced for murder, you know, okay, they committed murder, they murdered this person. You have the person's name. She's sentenced for sex trafficking to, to whom? Isn't that amazing? When are we going to get... The only name that's been brought forth is Prince Andrew. Okay, mm-hmm. that's one guy. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of names that we, we know, but I, I'm talking about, uh, you know, the media pursuing it. You know, why isn't nobody chasing down Bill Clinton and saying, why are you on that island, sir? Did you rape any girls, sir? That, you know, or why don't they track the girls down? They're not interested. I mean, they're, they're middle-aged women now. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, it's just amazing how... Um, this can happen. It's, it's all over the news. Convicted for sex trafficking, but they don't say to whom. So they're still being protected because that was an intelligence operation. I don't know if you're aware of that. Absolutely. It was a big blackmail job. That's what that was all about. Deep state. You get all these powerful people there. They're compromised, and you own them. And and that's that's the real story. It's not about some you know perverted billionaire. I mean, which which draws a lot of comparisons to me with uh, with free freeway Ricky Ross. He took the rap for the for the MENA and the Iran Contra drug scam, but everybody was just like, 
Yeah, Bush and Clinton, we don't want to worry about those. We got Rick Ross, and then we managed to, to snuff out a couple other witnesses. And uh, yeah. the, the guy's name's escaping me. Uh, one of the, the main pilots, his name's escaping me. But, yeah, you know, it's always the same sort of MO. We got, uh, we got the street dealer. We don't need to worry about where the drugs are coming from or who's bringing them in or yeah. – come on. Yeah. When they have to, they'll throw one of their own under the bus, you know, when they can no longer protect that individual. And then they'll say, okay, that's it. Move on. Nothing to see here. Uh, but that's got to come out because that is such a huge story, you know, the blackmail element of it. That's 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 the real story. Who was being blackmailed? What what crimes were committed? Uh, the buzzes that William Roberts was down there, the Chief Justice Supreme Court. Oh yeah, who just and, happened to, to be the deciding vote for Obamacare? Just a coincidence. Yeah, on so many other issues, this guy. You know, wait a minute. This he used to be like a center conservative. Now he's voting with the what's going on here? Uh, but that would certainly explain things when it. So definitely. Let's see if that comes out. And you might not know this, but I got to ask, what the heck is the connection? Because you touched on Columbia, but I think University of Chicago and Chicago in general is another one of those just communist hubs, just like Columbia. Yeah. That I mean, for multiple generations now, it seems like this is the it place that so many of these dirtbags keep coming out of. And well, I don't know Chicago. why. I'm sure there's a reason why, but yeah. I mean, when you were thinking, of, when you're talking about Columbia, rather, I was thinking about Woodrow Wilson and his one of the worst presidents of all time. But I mean, his connections to Princeton, and you know, the the big universities have their own skull and bones ish yeah. organizations like Yale and the Bush Crime Syndicate. So I'm like, what the devil is going on, at University of Chicago? Why is that so attractive, like Columbia? I mean, there's got to be some, you know, yeah. money connected somewhere to these uh, Rothschild and other major yeah, families. Yeah, that's uh, the Communist Party USA was based in Chicago. Uh, there's always been a satanic hub in Chicago, too. You know, it's interesting, the heart of Chicago, like right where the Sears Tower is, yeah. the zip code is 60606, 666, that's the zip code for the heart of, of Chicago. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's something, I mean, you start to get really deep. That, I mean, the, this Satanism thing I used to scoff at years ago. Um, like, yeah, there was always some weirdos involved in these cult activities and stuff. Um, but it, it seems like a lot a lot bigger. And even at Epstein's Island, some of the, uh, the artwork and the sculpture is very occult stuff, very weird stuff. So uh, these people are definitely into these dark things. And, and Chicago is a hub for satanic uh, uh, activity. And, you know, that zip code is just too much, 60606, you know. But, That's weird. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something going on there with the, the Podesta emails and the, the totally sick yeah. artwork with Podesta's brother and – yeah, you know, Bathhouse Barry and yeah. Rob Emanuel out of Chicago, and then the yeah, uh, so, uh, Obama's real father um, connections to Chicago. I mean, yeah. so much of this. After yeah. a while, it, it ceases to be a coincidence. You got to start putting these dots on the canvas and connecting them. You know. Yeah, that's right. And you know that's that's all we could do with some of this stuff until we get smoking guns. But you know, nonetheless, even if you're just looking at coincidences. 
um, the statistics start to pile up, you know, and, and statistics isn't really circumstantial evidence. It is a science in and of itself. So when you have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten coincidences at a certain point, it really becomes statistically uh, impossible. So the circumstantial evidence, if there's enough of it, at some point ceases to be incomplete evidence. It becomes scientific. And um, that's the way you got to look at it. There's just too many coincidences. All these people into this freaky artwork and, and all of these, you dig into it, these these posts, really sick, sick stuff on uh, old Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts. And there's so many of these big people involved in it, you know. No, they're, they're into dark stuff. That's that, that's for sure. So, I know you've gotten into this a little bit with the, the Ross Shields and the Hollywood connection, but what do you think or, or what's your take or expert opinion even on what the heck is going on with Hollywood today? It kind of juxtaposes from that holiday uh, or Hollywood of yesteryear in the 30s when it sort of first began, began uh, prominence up until today. I mean, there seems to be an occultic thread sort of connecting all that stuff if you look into the well it was it was it started out rotten hollywood began uh, i was it was uh I, I mean thomas edison developed the uh, the early film projector oh, yeah and then there was a, a bunch of jewish film producers in, in in new york just starting using the technology uh illegally without paying royalties and he was he filed so many lawsuits, and he was really pissed off about it. He was constantly going after it. And then uh, uh, some some of these machines now were branching out to other cities. And then there was the early peep shows, so it was being used to, uh, you know, promote, I guess, early forms of pornography. And Edison went to war with this stuff. To get away from Edison, these early film producers packed up and they went to California which, you know, back in those days it would really be considered far away. Yeah, it's so like a different them, continent. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then they, set up, they set up Hollywood and um, from the very beginning. And the, the 20s, if you look back at some of the films that were, that were being put out in the 20s, they were kind of racy. There was some serious violence in it. Um, but then some, some people kind of got a hold of the problem and they, and they put a code in place. But they're always at war with with the big Jewish Hollywood producers to kind of keep all this filth out of the film industry. <clears throat> and they kind of succeeded for 20, 30 years. And then in the 60s, it started to really, you know, and, then 70, and by now, you know, we, we, we know what it is. But it was it was a problem from the very beginning. And um, <clears throat> they played a big role in World War II in beginning the process of propagandizing the American public. To, to start to hate Germany, they already knew years in advance that a war was coming. So they're putting out anti-German films, anti-Hitler films in Hollywood. Um, and uh, two of the big moguls, well, they, they weren't Hollywood moguls, but two media moguls. One was uh, Sarnoff and the other one was uh, William Padoff. Sarnoff was the owner of NBC Radio at the time and uh, Padoff owned CBS. They both worked in psychological operations. Sarnoff was given the title of Brigadier General, hmm. and uh, Paloff, or William Paley, was given the title of Colonel. 
and and that's they did they did scams over there, psychological operations, atrocity propaganda, turn the public against the Germans, that kind of thing. But it was all brainwash manipulation. It's kind of unsettling to think that these are the heads of. Uh, back then, it was really just ABC, CBS, NBC, radio, and, yeah. and you got two of the big bosses, the kings, engaging in psychological manipulation. After the war, they returned to the states. <clears throat> they didn't stop. Hmm. You know, and they just do it in other forms. So, um, so that, that's how the, the big media moguls in the Hollywoods have, have, have operated. But Hollywood was bad from the start, you know, in spite of you know periods of time when there was some degree of control exerted, and there were many great films that were made too over the years, of, of course. But so so much like propaganda uh, has been pumped out uh, from the, from the beginning, you know. Uh, Charlie Chaplin was a little commie, if you're yeah. aware of that, you know. And he used to inject some commie propaganda into those those, those silent films, you know. Um, it's been it's been going on a long time. Yeah, I know that I think it's Lookout Mountain Studios, which was in L.A., was a big uh, it was a military base, wink, wink, or a military studio. But it, it supposedly had much better quality uh, filmmaking equipment and so forth and so on than even the major studios at the time. And I can't help. There's probably a connection there with those uh, psychological operation leaders, experts, I can't remember the, the military rank he just gave them, but from, from World War II, just kind of seeping right back into their uh, their traditional roles just in Hollywood. Yeah. Because so well, many I, of those people, I know Marilyn Monroe was one of them that was doing some of those propaganda films uh, for that time and, of course, met her uh, untimely demise like so many others. Connected yeah. to the JFK assassination, yeah. just like those connected to the Clintons, and everybody has an accident, commits suicide, shoots herself four or five times. But <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Going back to what I said earlier about the statistical probabilities, you know, how, how many people uh, can you know that die? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just recently, the, the man's name escapes me, but one of the people for January 6th who was just about to testify just mysteriously died here in the last, like, 48 hours. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Seems like the same old uh, rinse and repeat model, but the people just don't know this information. No, no. I, you know, I just did a piece at realhistorychan.com. I've, I've been digging into the 19th century, and there were... Um, Three presidents within nine years who got tummy aches and diarrhea and fever and died. And they said it was bad water. Hmm. Two other presidents got really sick but lived. Bad water. And Lincoln's son um, got sick and died. Both of his sons got sick. One of them died. Willie. Bad water going to the White House. It's, it's, it's astonishing. This is uh, just in a 15-year a period, you know. Um, but this was at a point in time when the secret societies were trying to destabilize the United States, and it was maybe even worse than anything that's happened in the 20th century. They're just killing the presidents. You know, those, those were the ones that were killed on the down low. Yeah. And you had the attempt on Andrew Jackson, the assassin had two pistols. They both misfired. Uh, we all know what happened to Abe Lincoln. Uh, James Garfield was shot dead. It's just astonishing the amount of presidents who were killed 
or died in office because of bad water or got sick but survived because of bad water. Um, uh, but, yeah, they were trying to destabilize the, the union uh, back then and get the, the two halves to fight, split the country, put a Rothschild bank in in, in each one. Um, but there, there's just no coincidences when you look at the sheer amount of times these things uh, happen. You know, look at all the, the small plane crashes that killed Kennedys. I mean, yeah. Joe Kennedy was killed in World War II, not in a combat mission. His plane just blew up. Spontaneously. Uh, uh, the sister Kathleen, she died in a small plane crash in the 50s. Um, Ted Kennedy, his plane went down. It was a fatal crash, but he survived a small plane crash. And, of course, we know JFK Jr. Yeah. And then there's JFK and RFK were shot. I mean, I mean, come on, what's going on here? <laughs> you know? Uh, but this goes back to the patriarch, Papa Joe Kennedy, he was not a pure individual by any means, yeah. mind you. But he was anti-communist. He was anti-globalist. He, he didn't want to get into World War II. He hated these people. And he did what he could. He had a lot of uh, uh, clout in those days. Uh, he was ambassador to England, and he, he tried to meet personally with Hitler. He wanted to negotiate a peace and all that. They hated him, and they took it out on his family. And then once you kill one, you got to kill you know, anyone else who wants to become president, they had, the guy had to get him, especially JFK Jr., because he was standing in Hillary's way, hmm. you know. But the sheer amount of plane accidents and shootings, it's, it's just statistically in, in, impossible, you know. But, yeah, you got four Kennedys who went down in plane crashes. But uh, Teddy survived. He got hurt, but he survived. So... Well, that was going to be my question. I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but what's the what's your take on Ted Kennedy's uh, Chappaquiddick incident with the the girl and the car crash well, and all that? I mean, that seems to me like obvious. That might have been a trying to snuff him out. What have you? I'm not sure, yeah. but I'm, I'm thinking you that probably have a little bit more info than me. To get him, that might have been another attempt to get him. And out of all the Kennedys, he's the most contemptible. I'm no fan of Ted Kennedy. Don't get me wrong, but you know, you've killed. One brother, you've killed a sister, you've killed a, uh, another brother, and then you've killed another brother, and now you got Teddy wants to be president. They can't allow a guy like that to sit in the White House. He turns on you, he wants to know who's killing his family, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so Chappaquiddick might have been uh, another assassination attempt that he survived. You know, I don't, I don't know. Is, is that a true story that he was responsible for the accident? Could be. He did like to drink. It could be. And it would certainly be in his character to abandon the girl like that. The guy was a scumbag. We're not disputing yeah. that. He is definitely the lesser of the brothers, that's for sure. Uh, but in set against the context of all of the other Kennedy incidents, you have to wonder if they're trying to get him again. And even though they didn't kill him, they certainly that ended his presidential ambitions, that's for sure. There's one thing they ever wanted was the Kennedy in the White House, you know? Whether he was like a patriotic Kennedy like JFK or even if he was a leftist like Teddy, forget the politics. Blood is blood, family is family. You get him in there, you don't know what he's going to do. And, and I believe JFK Jr. probably certainly wanted to bring the people who did that to his father to justice, I would think. Um, but just the fact he was standing in the way of that witch, Hillary Clinton, because he was going to run for Senate. We yeah. know that now. Yeah. He was going to run for Senate in New York. The seat would have been his. Hillary would have, Hillary wouldn't have gotten even 10% of the vote. 
run against JFK Jr. You kidding me? Yeah. And then from there, it's a hop, step, and a jump to the the White House. He would have been impossible to stop because he was a celebrity, the son of JFK. He's uh, charming, handsome, and this, that, the other thing. They're not going to stop him. So, uh, you know, if nothing else, he had that marketing value. That marketing you couldn't buy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he was he was good friends with Donald Trump. So yeah. there's a lot of speculation that that might have been the last straw for Trump when he mm-hmm. saw that and he's like, you know, I, I'm going to get involved somehow. You know. I got to say, if I was an RFK Jr., I would be taking a, a car everywhere and having a lot of extra well, security so, right now. He's no threat to be president, so, you know, they'll, they'll let him go. You know? yeah. and he's got that speech impediment. You know, I, I think they're only worried about them getting the power of the presidency uh, and starting to open up archives or files or whatever. You know, There's a lot of dead Kennedys. And in fact, going back to Papa Joe... He once sent a cable. He was on his way back from England to the United States. Uh, and this is at a time where he's trying to prevent the war. He sent a cable saying, if this ship goes down, it's because they're out to get me. It's not an accident. Yeah. And he later said, he said later on that he did that kind of as a self-protection measure. He was afraid Churchill and his gang were going to kill him, you know, because he wanted to avoid the war. And even when the war started, long before Pearl Harbor, when it started in Europe, he was doing whatever he could to, to, to stop the war. And he, he wanted to actually meet with Hitler. He did meet with the German ambassador. So there's a deep, deep hatred for that, uh, for, for Papa Joe Kennedy, for uh, uh, the efforts that he made to thwart FDR's efforts to get us into World War II and Churchill. And he hated Churchill, and he hated FDR, and they hated him. And uh, he wanted, he was very ambitious. He wanted his sons to be presidents one day. And they knew that back then, so they started killing him. I'm convinced they killed Joe in the war. It's the perfect cover. Yeah. Uh, but it was not a combat mission or a bombing mission or anything like that. There was just a routine training mission, a bunch of planes. And the one plane that just spontaneously blows up is Joe Kennedy's plane. Mm. Isn't that interesting? So Sounds a lot like Pat Tillman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's another one. Once he figured out the scam, they had already, they had already made him into a uh, superstar, right? Yep. And now he's flipping, he's turning. What are they going to say? Oh, don't listen to him. He's a traitor. <laughs> you know, uh, what a powerful voice he would have been coming back. They couldn't have that. It's uh, uh, these guys. These guys are gangsters. It goes back a long time. I mean, you, you know, killing all these presidents and. Over in Europe, they were killing kings and queens and prime ministers and, and presidents. Uh, it's all in my book, Planet Rothschild. I, I mean, it's like, you think the Godfather movie was bloody? This is like Godfather times a, a hundred, but it's with heads of state. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible how many were rubbed out, whacked uh, by gunfire, by bomb throwers, uh, but then... The ones who drank bad water. Yeah, so that's ho- not yeah. hilarious, but just sick. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it really is. And, uh, and to this day, I, did, I was digging around into this, and you see articles like by, you know, History Channel or Smithsonian about uh, Washington's bad water system in the 1800s may have killed three presidents. Really? Really. Three pre- 
So the bad warder only knew to kill the president. Not the first lady, not, not the, uh, the staff members in the house, not all the people in the house. Just knew to target Polk, who actually died a month after he left office. He was sick. Yeah. Uh, but he was essentially poisoned in, in Washington. Polk, Harrison, uh, Taylor, three presidents in eight years. Tummy ache, diarrhea, fever, dead. Bad water. That's and then insane. later on, Lincoln's, Lincoln's kid. And then James Buchanan got, got sick too. He was president. Bad water. Bad. <laughs> so it's as bad as the Kennedy plane crashes, you know. But I mean, is there a common point, thread with all these presidents as to why they wanted them out? Were they just not playing ball with the, uh, the global satanic death cult or what? In some cases, yes, because uh, they wanted to split the country, like for example. And in the case of uh, President Zachary Tyler, Taylor, he was, a, he was a war hero. He was a southerner, and he owned a plantation, and he owned slaves. Mm-hmm. Yet, he said to the secessionists, if you continue it this way, I will personally lead an army and hang you guys. And he told them. He brought them into his, his office. And he could have gotten away with it because he himself was a southerner and a plantation owner. But, he, you know, he was pro-union all the way. Yeah. So a guy like that, they had to get rid of him. Some of the other guys, and this is the case in Europe, too, they it's not that they were really resisting these gangsters. It's just you kill them just to destabilize the system. Even if they obey you, you know, just by killing them, you're destabilizing everything. You're striking fear into the heart of the existing ruling class at that time. Whether it's the, there, were, there were kings who made concessions to give up a lot of their power to parliament, which is what the globalists wanted because they control parliament. They put their crooks in parliament. You see? So the king starts saying, okay, I'm not going to be the, uh, the ultimate authority. I'm going to share power. And then they kill that king. Like, yeah. why? He's, he's capitulating to you. It's to instill fear. It's to destabilize. That's so it. they don't always kill the disobedient. They'll kill the obedient as well, just for purposes of, uh, you know, scare, scaring and destabilizing. Yeah, it's a psychological operation. I mean, it just breaks morale and... And yeah. dissipates any sort of camaraderie or even unification behind it. any individual. Just breaks it up. Yeah. And it's going on to this day. I mean, Gerald Ford, he was missed by bullets at close range on two different occasions. He's very close to being killed. Wow. Now, here's a guy who was on a Warren Commission, covered up the Kennedy murder. Exactly. Trilateral Commission, globalist crook. Yep, in there with Kissinger as well, like right in uh, in hand with Kissinger. If if they kill Gerald Ford, his vice president becomes president. You know who his vice president was? Nelson Rockefeller. That's right. So it's like, Jerry, you've been a good team player, but you got to go bing. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, uh, Reagan, they wanted to get Bush in there, the CIA head. They had to get Reagan out. So he he barely survived. Um. And I don't think he was ever the same after that assassination attempt. He turned moderate after that, a lot of people said. He kind of moderated, you know, because early on, because that was only his second month in what, and it was in March. He was inaugurated in January. So he's yeah. the new president, six, seven weeks in. And he's talking about, uh, he's talking about the Fed. He's talking, uh, while he was campaigning, he says, I don't want any trilateral commission members and, and my president, this and that. So he was like an America first during everything. Yeah, he didn't um, even want Bush on the ticket. No, they forced Bush on him, you know, uh, and they wanted to kill him, but he survived. But nonetheless, you know, 
experience these things that kind of intimidate you in a way. And he did some good things, but and you got to also remember, back in those days, he didn't have the tools that uh, say Trump would have had at his disposal, like internet and uh, an army of activists, digital warriors. You know, back then the whole media is against you. It's uh, you have to compromise with, with with those people, but they wanted him out and they wanted Bush in, you know. But they didn't kill him, so they just tolerated him for eight years. Yeah, and then they got Bush in. So it's worse than uh, any mafia film you ever seen. It's, it's just it's just incredible, you know. But truly, if you want to, if you haven't seen it in a while, rent The Godfather and watch it, and understand that that is exactly how the world operates, only on a on a much bigger level. They've got all the me, you know, the media, and the universities. They're 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 everywhere. They got their operatives and agents uh, everywhere. It's a super mafia, something that's never existed in the history of mankind uh, at that at this level, so vast and uh, so deep, you know. And they, they could kill so many people, and then just put out this nonsense: oh, lone gunman, bad water, plane crash. I, I mean, how many times, you know? <laughs> yeah, they'll kill you and get away with it. Movie. They'll legitimize it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then the moment you try, you, you know, you, you start to speculate, well, could he have been poisoned? Oh, it's conspiracy theory. That's yeah, bad uh, water for years. <laughs> bad water, yeah. You would think so, after the first president, they'd do something about that water, you know? <laughs> they sure would, yeah, yeah. But that's what I want to know. How come nobody else in the White House? I mean, there's a lot of people in the White House. There's staff, there's workers, there's the first lady, there's the kids. I mean, they did get Lincoln's kids, but it just killed Harrison, Taylor, and, and Polk. Just keyed in on those three in the individuals. And the symptoms were the exact same. The, the, the fever and, you know, the fever and the, the, the diarrhea and then the, 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 the kind of a recovery and then the relapse, all the exact same symptoms, three presidents in eight years, you know? That's just sick. Yeah. Jeez. Oh. Well, I know you got to go in a minute, but there's one guy's name I was going to ask you about because he kind of fits into all these categories, but Smedley Butler. Did he uh, die an untimely death? I know he, he actually came out and, and wrote this thinking War's a Racket book and – was yeah. speaking out and saying, yeah, they want me to take over the government, and I'm not doing it. I mean, I can't imagine yeah. <laughs> living well, you know to, to tell the tale. I don't know. I haven't heard any speculation. Is, I was just, while we were on the, the untimely death topic, I thought I'd ask him. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know about his death, okay, but given the fact that we know what a monster FDR was, yeah, um, I, I wonder if some of these coup plotters were doing it for good reasons, you know, because yeah. if war is a racket. But nobody was a bigger warmonger than FDR. And perhaps at the time when Butler was approached with this, he figured FDR was a good guy because, you know, he talked peace and all yeah. that. But he did it all on the down low. He was, he was, as, he was even inciting Poland to uh, go to war with Germany behind the scenes. These are documents. This, this, this is before the U.S. even got involved in the war. So the FDR's um, manipulation to go to war against Germany and Japan uh, goes back to pretty much the year after he became president, right from the beginning, beginning 33, mm -hmm. 34. Um, so he had, a, he had a hand in the events in Europe. 
in, in Japan and China. So he was, he was just a horrible human being. And uh, maybe these cool plotters saw that early on. Yeah. And then when they approached Butler, but, you know, Butler maybe not being aware of the politics stuff, says, you're, you're nuts, you know. Maybe, maybe he's a little liberal or something, but he's a good man, you know, but now we know. So, um, yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I was the general and they say, hey, you, you, we need you to overthrow FDR, I'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> Just because he's, he's a criminal, not because I don't believe in the uh, our system of government or anything like that, because, uh, you know, we know some of the stuff he did. And talk about killing people. I'm convinced he gave the order to kill Huey Long, who was going to run against him as president. Democrats, populists. You know, his IRS ruined both Jesse Owens and Joe Lewis, okay? And this is supposed to be the great liberal, right? I didn't know that at all. Well, they were Republicans, and they endorsed his opponents. And uh, for for chump change, IRS gave him such a hard time, penalties and fees. That's why Joe Lewis was fighting when he was too old to really be fighting. And Rocky Marciano, you know, he said he broke his heart to have to beat him up like that. He was older. He was already in his mid-30s. That's yeah. his prime. But he had to, to get the, to get the money. Uh, Jesse Owens went through a very hard time, too. And he said some, um, you know, he, he said later on, he said, it wasn't Hitler that disrespected me in Berlin. It was FDR. He never even gave me a phone call, you know. But they both endorsed Republican candidates who ran against FDR, one in 36 and one in 40, or one in 32 and one in 36. And they both end up getting uh, really brutalized by the, uh, by the, by the IRS. Um, but he was known, FDR was known, to sick the IRS on political enemies. Uh, uh, there was a columnist he went after. There was a bunch of them. So it was really nasty. Eleanor, too went after somebody. She used the F, she wanted the FBI to go after somebody, a columnist who was who referred to as La Boca Grande, in Spanish for the big mouth. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, Eleanor got upset over that. You know, maybe she took it personal. Maybe she didn't think it was metaphorical because she has a donkey face. I don't know. But they were just vicious. And I got a book called The Real Roosevelt. You can find it at realhistorychan.com. Look at the banned book section. Uh, but the Roosevelt's were real monsters. They, 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 they truly were. So uh, maybe it would have been better if they had been overthrown. Even yeah, that's by a force. good point, man. It sounds like the 20th century version of Obama and uh, and Big Mike. I mean, all those same tactics of yeah. using the IRS and yeah. targeting individuals. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and the Clintons, uh, nasty, nasty. You know, just... Boy, the Democratic presidents we've had, with the exception of JFK... And Carter, I'm no fan of Carter, but he wasn't like a vicious human being like that. Yeah. But uh, they've been really nasty gangsters, just this vicious. Uh, LBJ, oh my God, maybe started on him. That'd you be know. a whole show just on LBJ alone, all, all his yeah. criminal exploits. Yeah. Jeepers, we got to do this again, Mike. This has been too much fun, man. What's uh, yeah. Any any parting words or what's the best pay, place people can go to find your, your information and get your books? Because we know it's not Amazon anymore. No, no. They holocausted all my books. Uh, that's a shame. But go to realhistorychan.com. The books are available in paperback, also in PDF. PDF, you get all 24 for 29 bucks. I mean, it's like it's a steal. 
but if you're not ready to purchase the pay-per-view stuff, there's plenty of free stuff. Sign up for a free report that I offer, and it gets you on the mailing list as well. It's called How to Respond to an Anti-Conspiracy Theorist. It's at the footer of every page. Really, really uh, informational, valuable stuff, and that gets you on the mailing list. Uh, then you have an updates tab where you can see all the items, and then you have the uh, the banned books page, and just uh, you definitely want to bookmark it. It's very unique because, as you know, my work is uh, it's not only very educational, informative, but I present it in such a way that it's concise, not not these encyclopedic value uh, volumes, right? Yeah, tons of images, pictures, and captions. So anybody, even if they know absolutely nothing about history, real or fake. They can jump into it and they start to come up the learning curve, kind of like we did in our conversation today. That's that's how I write and I present things. Very easy to uh, understand, and it will, you know, it'll, it's some of the stuff is life changing or so I'm told. So that's realhistorychan.com. Thank you. Absolutely, and it's very readable. I'll tell everybody that when you're reading yeah. this, it's not like reading some sort of dissertation. It's readable. It connects right. all the dots in a concise manner. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it, far from putting you to sleep, it'll it'll pump you up. That's right. <laughs> you just want to keep reading, you know. So, well, if you stick around for a minute, Mike, I will uh, say goodbye to you off the air here. Sure. All right. <clears throat> Well, folks, if you missed any of that, please check out anomicage.com. I doubt this will be up on YouTube, at least not for very long. So uh, it'll be at my site, anomicage.com, at all of the usual suspect social media links there at the top. As I always say, you can't do everything, but you can do something. So please try to get out there, do your part, make that difference. And until next time, I'll be seeing you sooner than later in the Anomic Age. Thank you for listening to The Anomic Age, a John Age project. For past shows, further info, and to comment, go to anomicage.com. That's A-N-O-M-I-C-A-G-E.com. Till next time, thank you for listening to The Anomic Age. I'm going to go to the next one.